she wants to, she does want you to come to her cocktail party also. I would love to. I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. What? This is like a big pop culture week. I was going to say, what an exciting like weekend. Or week, yeah, it was like a whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and speaking of popping bottles, we oh, have a yeah. gift from Adam Danny. It is from his hometown. Well, O K L A H O M A, Oklahoma. No, I got shy at the end. That was beautiful. You're okay. Like, Don't fade out while I own it. <laughs> I've loved I've loved that joke since I was a kid. They say Oklahoma, you're okay. Like cool, like you're okay, but also like that's their like okay. abbreviation. <laughs> yeah, the brewery is called American Solera. This is Magic Jar. Everything we love in a bottle. Happy, funky, and easy drinking. Mm, very cool. It has a very cool um, label, too. Yeah. I'm going to pop it open. And he brought it for your 30th birthday. Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday, Miss Molly. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Sarah. No one else is receiving a birthday right now. I guess Adam technically is with this, exactly. with this bottle. It's funny because I'm technically still not 30, but... <laughs> but you're celebrating. I have, I am celebrating. I think that's normal for, like, big birthdays. I think that's, like, a thing that happens. Yeah. But I also just have, like, always said that I have functionally felt 30 for the last year. We need to do it again. Oh, you know what? It's These like, are from Zwan's, so, so they're, they're not like, glass. All right. I was thinking, ding! I don't think they're supposed to break because they had the party outside. Yep. Zwan's 2017. Oh, I like this. Ever since I turned 29, I was like, well, I'm pretty much 30, you know? Yeah. Which I think was, like, a healthy way to do it for me, because otherwise I would have been like, oh, my God. Like, I would have been like Rachel from Friends. Midlife crisis. Yep. But, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And we did a little Selena-themed birthday on Saturday. So wonderful. It was very fun. Yes, we had a great cake from the Queen's Cups. Oh, my God. It was really good, too. Yeah, between Queen's Cups and Coco Creates. I was excited to host a little soiree for Molly, but they made it so easy. Google Creates has been like the MVP of all of our celebrations. I know. It's a like bitty bitty birthday. Molly's bitty bitty 30th. Very cute. Very cute. Friday was a tough day because um, RBG passed away. Yeah. I was taking a nap as I do every Friday (laughs) and I woke up. To an expletive-laden text message from my friend John from college, which I assumed meant that like Jeff Goldblum had died. Like I was like, oh, this is the only thing that it can possibly be, because like that's like what our friendship is. <laughs> and then I went on Twitter because that's where I go for my news, and I was like, oh, this is. Worse. I mean, no offense to Jeff Goldblum, but like, right? I was like, this is worse. <laughs> Uh, at the very least all of the celebrations of her life lately have been so eye-opening and one of the things I mean we just talked about how you're turning 30 and that's kind of this moment where you're like oh no like where am I supposed to be in life am I supposed to have accomplished more than I have and you get all nervous or at least I did yeah for sure Ruth Bader Ginsburg it took her a really really long time to lean into the feminist self that we know 
And when she went to law school at Harvard, there was this story I heard where she was invited to a dinner party the first night and the professor next to her asked, you know, why are you here? You're taking the spot of a man who could be at the best law school in the world. Why are you taking up this spot? And she said, because I want to be able to help my husband. Now, to me, that does not sound like the RBG we know, No. but it was like this moment of change for her. She graduated first in her class, then from Harvard, and she went and um, she worked abroad. And that was when she realized life doesn't have to be what I know right now. Absolutely. I mean, it was such a struggle for her to even get there, right? Our, our pal, Senator Harriet Chandler, tells that story where she's like, well, if Ruth couldn't do it, mm-hmm. you know, like, what, how, why could I? And so then... Finally, she did make it. Obviously, Ruth Bader Ginsburg like, made it to law school and further. Yeah, but so Senate President Emerita mm-hmm. Harriet Chandler, her husband, mm-hmm. went to law school with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And right. after law school, Ruth couldn't get a job. Yep. Even though and she so was first she in her class like, at Harvard. Yeah, so she's like, why should I bother trying to be a lawyer, like trying to be an attorney going to law school? And yeah, that, that was like depressing, right? Mm-hmm. But um, of course, then. She turned into Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the <laughs> Supreme Court justice. It was like a very weird, I was like in a weird space because like I was super tired from my week because um, Sarah and I started teaching. Mm-hmm. We had like been working, but now we're like actually teaching kids. I am doing hybrid, so it's just been like kind of weird, you know, and then the remote stuff. But yeah, so I was like super exhausted. I was wiped out. I like woke up. My brain had been in like a fugue state (laughs) already. Mm -hmm. And so then I just transitioned into this. Like, I was like, what do I do with this news? I think I was in shock. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh. And then I just ended up putting on this playlist I have of like all these people yelling, (laughs) like yelling music. So I was just like listening to like Hole and... (laughs) Um, bikini kill and then eventually rage listen yep and then I just was like singing with it because I was like I gotta do it you know but that was I found very therapeutic so if you are feeling like that I recommend playing whatever music helps you to yell that would be my suggestion we're gonna move on from it I just want to say also there's something really interesting going on with the NBA right now and it's been going for like a few years where like they as a league have really taken I would say more steps forward as players and coaches and as just like a collective league to like make statements about social movements and like social unrest. All these coaches who are like white because still in the NBA, most coaches are white, which seems so crazy because it's the NBA, which is like a whole other issue have like taken on this role. They're like, we want to speak about these things. And Stan Van Gundy, it's like, he's just like this... You know, old dude, he's got, like, a classic thick mustache. He's coached, like, a ton of different teams, but he does a lot of commentary now. And he's really turned into, like, a hero of this whole thing. And his Twitter has been, like, blowing up. (laughs) And on Friday, like, right after this happened, he was like, Mitch McConnell, gutless, he's not going to do anything. Like he said last time where he set this precedent that said, like, in an election year, we couldn't replace the Supreme Court justice because of... Basically because Barack Obama was president. And there are countless clips of him saying, feel free to play this back, fact check me, call me on it a few years from now. And now they would have thought... They're all going back on it. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was so funny though. I was like, Stan Van Gundy of like mm-hmm. all people. <laughs> it's like the first one I saw to be like, <laughs> screw this guy. 
It's not going to happen. And, I, and then an hour later, mm-hmm. it was like a statement came out. I have not heard a name as good as Stan Van Gundy since Tom Wamsgans. Wamsgans. Tom Wamsgans. Oh, so good. I know. That's a good one, right? I was so happy that... Uh, so he is... A somewhat lovable oaf. I love him so much. He's like evil, but not quite bright enough or confident enough to pull it off. Exactly. Which makes him more of a comedic character. He's a character right on Succession. On Succession. And they won an Emmy. They won a few Emmys. Yeah. Yes, the Emmys were Sunday. Oh, so wonderful. I I really enjoyed the style of the show. It was fast. It was efficient. And it was also just like fun to see, I thought. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not a big sports fan, but I did watch a large portion of the NFL draft when they were in all of the different homes of coaches and players. And that became the interesting part for me where I was like, Ooh, what does his house look like? Oh, he's got a nice house. Oh, does he live in his mom's basement? Like, you know, the comparison. And I felt that way a little bit about the Emmys. And that does make it fun. Uh, My favorite thing at the NFL draft was that all of these coaches who were drafting players had like three monitors and like all this paperwork next to them. And Bill Belichick sat literally at a table alone with a laptop, (laughs) which I think is so typical of him but yeah it definitely was cool to see where and how people were celebrating in mm-hmm. their houses with their families or like at little parties like Shit's Creek had an adorable yes. little party in Canada in Shit's Creek it's extra special because the Levy men are responsible for that show father and son team yeah and it was just like such a sweet familial event although I have heard some pushback where Daniel is his real name, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel Levy quit school and his dad gave him a show. He didn't know what he was doing. And now he's created something great, which yeah. is amazing. And we do not want to take that away from him. But there were a lot of people who were like, oh, we might have faulted, I think the ringer said, Lena Dunham for being like, wow, your parents really supported your career, huh? That's not okay. But with Daniel Levy, we are all in his corner. Right. It is interesting, though, because I will say, like, the first season especially, and then even, like, the first couple, people did find difficult to watch. Myself included. Yeah. But so I think it's interesting that for this final season, I think when the show really did sort of, like, come into itself, the platonic ideal of itself, right? So maybe then it's okay, because, like, that was where the rewards came, right? Is Mm -hmm. when after... All the stuff was worked out. It showed he had to grow. Yeah, that is really interesting, though. Yeah, well... I hadn't even thought of it that way. <laughs> and if you haven't watched Shit's Creek, but now since the first 72 minutes of the Emmys was all about oh. Shit's Creek, you feel like you've got to, yep. I would suggest watch the first two episodes as a setup of the first season and then just skip to the second season. Yeah, I think that would be fine. Yeah, I have watched the Emmys every year since I was five years old. I have never, my mom and I were sitting there where we like award shows and we were like, I have never seen anything like this mm-hmm. and like ever. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> I was also excited. One more Shit's Creek shout out. Catherine O'Hara finally got an Emmy and it just suits her character too, because in the show Shit's Creek, Moira is always talking about her fledgling acting career, you know? Yes. And so for her to finally get an Emmy, I wanted her to be more in character in her speech, but I'm glad she had her moment. And then you remember that you're like, oh yeah, she's a person. Yeah. She really does like <laughs> so deeply play this character who is just so like off her rocker. Yes. But in a very, she's, yeah, she's super eccentric, but like you love her because she just like 
She's genuine about it. Mm-hmm. And a very recognizable <laughs> voice where you can hear her in your head. And I think that that's strong character building. This is your bebe, Jocelyn, and an artistic cradle robber. I am not. Yeah, that was really exciting, though. I loved it. One of my favorite TikTokers, as an aside, and I will link to his uh, profile, but he dresses up as Moira every day at tea time and does just a little check-in, a little hello. And he was like, oh, felicitations on this special day. Hello, you, and welcome to a particularly bobbish and laudatory quarantine time as a beloved television program made Emmy history last night, sweeping the comedy category and winning a record amount of accolades. Yes, and a certain someone is no longer just an Emmy Award attending actress. I was cheering for her. Yeah, absolutely. I think that she is someone, and I I tweeted this, but I think that she just operates on a different plane of like comedy ability than a lot of people Mm -hmm. which is not to say that other people aren't good you know I think like of her as like the way that people used to look at like Michael Richards as Kramer Mm -hmm. where like something else was going on there right he just took this character and turned it into a cultural icon Mm -hmm. and I think that that's the case with her the choices that she made were so (laughs) unbelievable and you're just like okay yeah yeah that her character is dynamic oh yeah I I was really surprised by Zendaya is it Zendaya I think it I said Zendaya for a long time but I think it is Zendaya Zendaya I loved that show Uh, Euphoria Euphoria yes I loved Euphoria there are not a lot of high school shows that I think show the nitty-gritty side Mm -hmm. and the mental health implications of social media and in a way I think that seems like contemporary right and not like I don't know I'm thinking of something like 13 reasons why that I think is like not a healthy portrayal of that kind of thing celebrates like suicidality 13 reasons why does whereas euphoria I think really looks at the dark side of substance abuse and Mm -hmm. you know shows you it can happen in any family in a very empathetic way oh yeah and you're pulling for her and she looked so cute she was so sweet and I mean she was up against some very established actors and uh I think she's the youngest one ever to win. Yep. It, which she broke the record that Jodie Comer broke last year. So gotcha. like up until this year, Jodie Comer won last year for um, Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. And she show. was the youngest this year. But yeah, I think that that was really exciting. And I liked to watch everyone's reactions too. Yeah. Like, they, like the other actresses nominated seemed super excited for her. And she was like, I just want to recognize all of my social activists out there in the trenches. I thought that was special. Oh yeah. It was awesome. And speaking of, so like this was a record setting year for black women winners. Zendaya won. Um, Regina King won her fourth Emmy in six years for like different stuff, which is the most amazing part. She had one, I know for American crime, which was like a, a limited series this year. She went for Watchmen, which I just think is crazy. And that's another thing we were just talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg kind of like coming into this when she was a little older and Regina King's been around forever. Like she's my favorite. I love her and Jerry Maguire, but like it really took her a long time to get to this point where she's like really getting her flowers, you know? And I think that's cool. And I think it's also cool that she's been able to maneuver her career in a way that she's playing like people who are her own age, Mm -hmm. who have interesting things going on in their lives, which I think is really important. One of the other winners was Uzo Aduba, who won for playing Shirley Chisholm in Mrs. America, which we discussed a couple weeks ago. That's right. Yeah, which I think is awesome. And I think her portrayal um, of that character was great. 
But yeah, so I just thought that like that was exciting, and I loved Regina. I thought Regina King's outfit was so cool. <laughs> Well, speaking of outfits, you wrote Greg the Egg celebrated with tricked out Crocs. How oh my did God. I miss that? So Greg the Egg is... Again, from Succession. Succession. There's like a whole thing behind this. So that's the name of the character. The actor is Nicholas Braun. And so at the beginning of quarantine, he he wrote a song called Antibodies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... And so that you so, already sang once today. Can you yeah, give us a rendition? So it started off as a joke. Yeah. So he's like, I wrote this song, you guys. It's just the chorus. Like, let me know if you want to write music that goes with it. And so he treats it really seriously. And then he breaks out into the song with like a very distinct, like British accent. And he's like, do you have the antibodies? Do you want to be with me? Do you have the antibodies? Cause if you don't, and then it's like, you better leave or something very very like ridiculous <laughs> but what happened was then he wrote another verse and then it turned and then people started making music about it and then he turned it into a real 2000 style emo punk song that like he made a music video for and like the all the streams go to charity but then he got a pair of crocs <laughs> It's a whole thing. And um, you know those gibbets? I think that's what they're called. That you yeah, can, like, they go in the, in the hole of the crock, like little so, gems. So they sent him gibbets that spell out antibodies. I love it. <laughs> so he had a suit on. He was with Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall, who won. So the two of them were celebrating together. But he, and so he had like a, I don't know if it was a tux or just a suit, with his, his crocs that had mm-hmm. the antibodies it was like just so insane. I don't know if Kendall's <laughs> win made me so happy because I'm used to his character in the show right. being this like kind of pitiful rich kid who can never please his father. Yep. But immediately when he won, I was like, oh my God, his father Logan is going to be so proud right? finally. And then I was like, no, Sarah, that's not real. It's like, I think that like he does such a good job embodying that character though. You really feel that for him. Yeah. He, I saw in an interview with him that he said, I really think... I'm at the point, he's like, I know it sounds crazy where, like, Kendall is as real to me as Jeremy is. Oof. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, I think that that... And, well, he's also just, like, he's not really famous, like, as a name. Like, mm-hmm. you've seen him in. He's in, um, like, The Big Short and a few other things. So I think that he, as an actor, is, like, kind of an underdog, right? Now, remind me who Damon Lindelof oh, is. Oh, boy. Damon Lindelof is the creator of Lost. Okay. The co-creator of Lost with Carlton Cuse. And he... Obviously, the end of Lost was seen as a bit of a fiasco from many viewpoints. I didn't mind it. I understood where people were coming from, though. I understood why people were upset. I understand why people didn't like the last season. And so, like, the two of them were kind of villainized in, among watchers of television for a few years. So then he got onto The Leftovers, which people, which was, like, a smaller success, but people seemed to like. And now he's moved into Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Watchmen was yes. a huge winner. We're, yes. And so we're now it's everyone's like, he did it. Like, <laughs> I think that he's grown as a writer um, and as a creator of he's the co-creator of that as well. But everyone was super mad at them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, people were really because upset. people dedicated years of their lives to watching like, that show. Deep emotional yes, connections to Lost. People loved Lost. It was yeah. one of the first, like, really... 
I don't want to say binge because you couldn't even watch yeah. it all at once, but people were just so hooked yep. on it. Yes. It was a water cooler show. Absolutely. It was like people were very, very Everyone attached. was watching. So I thought that that was exciting for him. And then I was just really excited to see, I'm always really excited to see David Letterman. I love him. I got a, I have like a great big crush on David Letterman. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he came up with his like giant beard. Um, and he was just like, he was doing bits, which is great to like see him. Cause I like his talk show, but I like him doing his like kind of stupid like mm-hmm. bits Topical. that he knows are like sort of corny. But there was one part that I loved where he just like totally offhandedly really quickly was like, Hey Regis, I checked. You're in the memoriam. Thank you, my friend. <gasps> and that was it. And that's all I said. But he, um, he and Regis like loved each other. Aww. And when he got shingles, Dave mm-hmm. Letterman got shingles. I think it was like the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, and then again, when he had gotten his bypass, Regis was one of the people that he like okayed to like substitute for him. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they were really good buddies. Um, so I just thought that was like really sweet. Sentimental. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and then speaking of dumb bits, that actually worked. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston in the beginning was supposed to put out a like the trash fire that is 2020, oh but as part of the bit, Jimmy Kimmel, yeah, I always mess with the. It Jimmy's. was Kimmy. It was Kimmel. Yes, Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel had been like spraying an aerosol can on the trash as part of it. Well, so when it lit on fire, it like really it lit on fire, and well, she had a fire extinguisher. It was the envelope too. Like that's what it was. Is he was like, we have to sanitize the envelope before we opened it. So he like put on gloves and wiped it down, and then had sprayed it, and then put it in, and then sprayed it more. And it just kept <laughs> burning. And you can see Jennifer Aniston like, all right, I'm owning this one. But you, she just keeps trying to put the fire out. Did you hear someone like from no. the side? So like you could hear the, you know, the crew. He's like, someone put it out. <laughs> like, oh, this is getting out yeah. of hand. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought that was great. And you can tell. So the two of them are really good friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that was cool that you could like to see that with the two of them at different parts of the show. And she recently had a big week because they yeah. did this fundraiser where they did a table read of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, just on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And she and Brad Pitt were reunited. And it like gave me shivers in the beginning. They're all cool. just kind of like shooting the shit and yep. introducing themselves. Yeah. And he's like, hi, Aniston. And she's like, hi, Pitt. How you doing, honey? Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. my God. It was so and they cute. both look so good. And I, I felt like they both, they do. Matthew McConaughey just like he was giggling but my favorite part was his nods mm-hmm. like it wasn't even the giggles it was just he kept I w- I'm like doing it I know you guys can't see me but he just was like nodding in his like kind of like slow way it would, I thought that was so funny oh and Morgan Freeman is the narrator and it's like a very horny forgive me script yeah. that's written to be kind of crass mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Jennifer Aniston is playing this dream girl that Brad Pitt is fantasizing about and she walks in on him and it's just like so funny given their history where they were married. Yep. There's like levels. Yep. And he left Jennifer for Angelina Jolie. I mean like, yes, but I do think, I think it was like partly like, yes, he left, but then partly I think she was like, okay with divorcing him and yet she's been painted as the spinster for so many years yeah yeah but yes but clearly they have a good relationship yeah i mean like a friendship now Mm -hmm. um yeah morgan was funny too at one point he was like good lord like he was reading it but my favorite reaction to the two of them was like julia roberts watching that scene that jennifer aniston and brad pitt were doing she like looked like i'm sure we looked like she was like giggling. She like couldn't contain herself because she's friends with them. 
Um, she made Ocean's Eleven with Brad in 2001. Like, they've been friendly forever and she knew them when they were married so I just thought I was like oh this is the best reaction to this yeah because you know it's genuine yes it's like I always say you can kind of tell when people are actually friends for sure um, even they did a little reunion on the Emmys and that was cute it was Lisa Kudrow and, and Courtney. Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston Lisa is her delivery on that was hilarious I just think she's such a marvel Lisa Kudrow that was a lot of fun I just I am like a Shia LaBeouf fan slash apologist and so for me the highlight of the whole entire thing was that he didn't leave character it was a it was like a read it was like a table read like they were reading the parts like you could you know and then when you were done with your part they were like sitting back and Shia was like going to different locations in his house he but he acted like Jeff Spicoli the entire time he did not leave character for a second and it was (laughs) unbelievable and you could see Sean Penn just watching him it was so crazy because he's such a like weirdo art guy, you know? And if you're going to watch too, what I did, I did not watch the entire thing. Yeah. I kind of like skipped it's around and watched highlights. Yeah, no, but it was just fun to see all of these celebrities interacting. Mm. I'm going to top off your Oklahoman, oh, Oklahoman beer, um, which is very tasty. I really like it. Thanks, Adam. Mm-hmm. Let's see. That Amarillo, conditioned with mixed culture, bubbly and beautiful. Love a mixed culture. Very nice. Oh, so, okay. I don't want to make it too dark. I was going to say, we're going to take a turn now. That, yeah, no, that's I why I refilled our And I'm glad that you brought this up because I had read this on my own. Oh, my Like, when God. it came out last week. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, cool. It moved me for, like, multiple reasons. Right. Okay, so there was an article in The Cut written by Emily Ratajkowski, mm-hmm. who I did not know was a prolific writer. She has a book of essays she's working yeah. on. I know her as an Instagram model and mm-hmm. as the girl from the Blurred Lines video with Robin yep. Thicke when she was, like, a teen. She was super, super young. And... She talks about the beginning of her modeling career and photos that were taken, mm-hmm. not without her consent, but definitely not in a reputable way. Under, yes, under really strange, well, I don't know, circumstances. So let's, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll give the little recap. <laughs> her agent, who was an agent working with lots of top models, mm-hmm. and at this point she was just like an Instagram girl. Yeah. And she had like a pretty... I thought healthy relationship to her modeling career where she saw it as like a way for her to just like make money. She started going through school and then she was like, oh, you know, I can make more money doing this and then I can do the things that I really want to do. And she said, you know, I can go back and go to school. Mm -hmm. I understand that there's an expiration date on this, but I'm going to keep like a healthy distance from it. And I know that I won't be a model forever, but she ends up at an art show seeing a painting of one of her Instagram photos to begin with. And it's priced $80,000, which is much more money than she's ever made in her life. And then she starts to kind of reminisce and think back to when she was 21 at the very start of her career. Mm-hmm. And she ended up on a bus going to Woodstock to meet up with this man that was supposed to be like kind of an, a high art photographer who's yeah. going to put her in a magazine. He Right. He's like, I think among editorial photographers was pretty well known. She gets there to his house and his kids are there, which she thinks is a little weird at first. She notices like the light is fading, you know, it's magic hour and they're not shooting and she's concerned about that. But then a makeup artist shows up and she's like, okay, this is legitimate. Mm -hmm. And then they drink some wine. Um, At some point he makes a comment that he thought she was going to be fat and he's surprised how thin she is. So she doesn't eat anything. 
And I mean, I could totally see reacting oh God, that no way. Kidding. And um, she continues to drink, but she hasn't eaten anything. She's teeny tiny. And he convinces her to shoot all of these very compromising poses, some nude, some lurid, in lingerie. Lurid photos. Yeah. He assaults her as well. Yes. And she, and she talks about it too. She says, you know, I had posed nude before. It yeah. was like something that I had done and that I like felt comfortable with in my career. But in this particular situation, she was like she you said had an eaten she was like super drunk yeah he got her drunk basically mm-hmm. um yes and then he assaulted her yeah that's a big part <laughs> of the story i and she doesn't dwell too much on it but it's definitely the veil over the entire experience mm-hmm. you, know, you can tell she's still processing and the polaroids that are published in the magazine are somewhat tasteful and she's happy about that and she almost forgets the whole experience moves on she's had her picture taken thousands upon thousands of times mm-hmm. And then years later, when she is a huge star, there is a large gallery show in New York. And this photographer is publishing a book of the Polaroids. And she sees all these pictures of these hipster men standing next to pictures of her her nude. And she's like so deflated. And she feels like somebody's purchased her body or she doesn't have control of her own image. Yep. Super gross. His name is Jonathan. Was it Leader, by the yeah. way? So, like, yes, we should say his name is Jonathan Leader. <laughs> and then he published more books. He just kept it going. And it sort of diluted his brand that that's all he had was this yep. one night of Emily Ratajkowski where he and got so her he drunk. used it. He did. He came out with two more books and then a hardbound massive collection. Ugh. <laughs> I can't even, like... It's disgusting. Ugh. And then, so she talks about other experiences too, where like she gets sued for reposting a photo of her that a paparazzi, a paparazzo yes. took of her. <laughs> and she's like, but it's my picture. It's me. Yeah. And I don't think that's the first time that's happened too. Like, I think that's something that's happened to a couple other people, which seems like, you know, like in, on one hand, it's like, yeah, photographers own their work and you don't want to set a precedent to take that away from them. But on the other hand, it's like someone's likeness. Mm-hmm. is being used to make money. So, like, where's the line, right? Yeah. And then I guess that's just, like, only thinking it from a material standpoint and you think of it from the human standpoint, which is where she was coming from, where she's like, how can I be in control of me? Like, just, like, my image and who I am and my likeness, taking that back. The essay is 7,000 words, but it feels like a quick read. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I just got kind of lost in it. And there's going to be more, which I'm really happy about. She's writing a lot, and I think now she has a a means to put it out there. Definitely. And it seems to me, I have followed her on Instagram for a while because I, like, love her. And it seems to me, too, now she's in, like, a really healthy relationship. She's got a husband. They seem to be, you know you know, really in love and just like happy, which is awesome. Because I think she's probably not the only one with a story like that. No, and I heard her in an interview say that, there are lawyers who are like ambulance chasers, you know, who just sue celebrities for using the paparazzi photos. Right. And they make a whole living off of it. Yep. If you don't know who she is, she's around. You'll find pictures. She wrote um she wrote a beautiful essay a few years ago. I think it might have been for Jezebel. Baby woman. Like it was another sort of reflection on like her image and who she is because you know she was growing up and she always kind of from an early age had the body that she had so I would check that out too it looks like it was for Lenny letter 
the um, oh, Lena, nice. Dunham, the Lena yeah. Dunham the, newsletter. The now defunct yeah. newsletter because that friendship's over. So yeah, she's a great writer, but I really loved her performance in Gone Girl as well. So if you guys want to see her act, she's like actually really good at acting. <laughs> I thought she was great. She plays the girl that he had an affair with. Yeah, the cool girl. <laughs> yeah, literally, yes. Um, well, coming up, I was just approached oh, by yeah. the Craft Center. They want to do a giveaway with us. Yes. So look for that on our Instagram. I love crafts. Me too. I finally got a denim jacket. Yeah. Saw. And I'm like, I got to get all my pins. Mm-hmm. So I'm like on the lookout for all kinds of cool pins. So if you know any crafty people who make cool pins, let me know. We're going to be talking oh, yeah. ne- next week to uh, a video game girl. She's a, a game designer. I'm super out of excited. Yeah. I love video games. <laughs> I don't, so I'm hoping she can yeah. explain them to me. I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. And this is Pop It, Pop It.